I'm reading today from Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31 through 36, a very well-known passage, and yet maybe, in my opinion, the most astounding words of Jesus, and that's saying something, but these may be at least the most astonishing words uh, of Jesus uh, ever. And so it's a scene at the end of the world. And here's what Jesus says, starting with verse 31. But when he, the son of man, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. Now just hold that thought. Just hold that thought. The son of man comes in all of his glory and the glorious angels are with him and he sits upon his glorious throne. I'm telling you, there is no movie producer or director or, or you know, special effects that could come close to, to that scene right there. So I want you to just hold that glorious thought in, for a moment as, as we read the rest of the scripture because we're gonna see such a contrast between that glorious scene and the heart that's in Jesus. So here he is now, seated gloriously, and then he says, and all the nations will be gathered there in his presence. And he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. Whoa. Look at the contrast of what he says he was and where he is in the moment of this passage. He says, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Oh, my goodness. From this glorious throne with angels and nations before him, and Jesus says, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. I was unclothed. I was unwell. I was incarcerated and you cared for me, you visited me, you clothed me, you invited me in, and you provided for me food and drink. We speak of these as the mercies of Jesus. You know, the unloved, the unclean, the unreached, the uncovered, the poor, they are perpetually a part of the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ the vulnerable and the weak, the defenseless and the helpless. You know, Jesus sees their needs. They are before him, his eyes, and he hears their cries. The fragile and the frail and the feeble are not forgotten by Jesus. And then James, pastoring there in Jerusalem in the New Testament church, he he explained, he sort of takes these teachings now and brings them into church life. And, and, and he says in James chapter 1 and verse 27, he says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The Message Bible 
reads like this. Real religion, the kind that passes, passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against the corruption from, that is in this godless world. We're seeing the, an intimacy in the heart of God in his care for people. And this has been God's heart all along. You know, we read in Psalm chapter 72, and we read verses, verses 12 and 14. Listen to Almighty God reveal his heart in this passage of Scripture. It says this, He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy. And he will rescue them. He will save them from oppression and from violence. For their lives are precious to him. Their lives are precious to him. How can they not be precious, priceless, and priority to us? And how could we not recognize that we are the help? He provides that we are the rescue that he sends, that we are the defense and the deliverance that comes in his name. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31, you can just see how associated the Lord is with the oppressed. And we read this passage of scripture in Proverbs 14. It says, those who oppress the poor insult their maker but those who help the poor honor him. The mandate of missions is the message of the cross and the mercies of the Christ. The mercies of Jesus. We shout his message while we show his mercy. We decree his salvation while we display his compassion. The message of the cross, the message of the cross, the mercies of the Christ, the mercies of the Christ. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, it says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is our message. That's our message. And the message of the cross is the power of God. We proclaim his message and we provide his mercy. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 36, Jesus speaks to us and, and he says to each of us as followers of Christ, here's what he says, be merciful. Just as your father also is merciful. From the scriptures we've been looking at this morning, we can see that God is merciful. And Jesus is saying, be like your father. If you're a follower of Christ, be like your father. And then in, in Matthew 5 and verse 7, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And of course, that's what we see in that last great scene that Jesus unfolds for us. We see the merciful obtaining mercy. So our declaration is his kingdom. Our demonstration is his kindness. And let me just say, 
on this Missions Sunday. Melbourne, you're incredible. Sydney, you rock. Canberra, welcome aboard. Phoenix, you're unbelievable. You see, it's our missions giving that enables us as a global church to be merciful to widows and orphans in Burundi, to, to provide a hospital for the sick and the broken in Bakavu, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It allows us to visit and support prisoners in prison in Bali and in Indonesia. We as a church family are able to provide rescue and release for child prostitutes in Thailand and Laos and other places. We're able to dig wells in Cambodia where over 60% of all deaths are a result of unclean water. We're able to provide school every day for 100 children in Sierra Leone. We're able to build homes for widows in Burundi. We're able to purchase wheelchairs and mobility aids for children in Vietnam, as well as pay for life-giving heart surgeries for some of those boys and girls, the mercies of Jesus. We were able to preach. We're able to preach the gospel in Israel. We're able to print the gospel in indigenous Australia. And we're able to proclaim the gospel to millions over the airwaves of Indonesia, as we heard this morning from Palos. And we're planting churches together. We're planting churches in Africa and Brazil and Cambodia. There's the ABCs. Where we're planting churches in India and Indonesia and Indochina. This is our mission. This is why we're here. This is why we exist as a local and a global church. To go into all the world and preach the gospel and feed, clothe, care, visit, invite, and provide the mercies of the Christ. Saving the lost and assisting the poor. Rescue the perishing and relieve the suffering. Obedience to the Great Commission is what justifies our existence as a church. His last command is our first priority. And you know, my dream for each of our locations is that you would grow as a local congregation to a thousand and give a million to missions every year. For many years here in Sydney, half of our total income has gone to missions. I want Jesus to say to you as an individual and to us as Imagination's church, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me and I was in prison and you visited me. You know, what if Matthew 25 is actually gonna happen? What if all that is really gonna happen? And what if those words are an open book test for each of us at the end of the world? You know, there are three, I think, really important questions that we must ask ourselves when it comes to our personal commitment to missions. And it's very important that we ask ourselves these questions because we must also remember 
that Jesus is going to say, you know, in verses 41 through 43 there, he's going to say, depart from me. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. So three questions I must ask concerning my personal involvement in the Great Commission and my standing in Matthew 25. First question is this, what do I have in my hand? See, this is the question God asked Moses there when he had his encounter with God at the burning bush. The Lord, the Lord spoke to him in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2. And the Lord asked him, he said, what do you have there in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Moses had a common, ordinary, everyday shepherd's staff in his hand because he was a shepherd. If we will release into God's hand what we have in our hand, God will use it and God will magnify it and God will multiply it. We see this in John chapter 6 and verse 9 where there's a little boy and in his hand there's a basket and in the basket there's five barley loaves and a couple fish and, and, and it says, it says there's, they, they say to Jesus, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. And then they say, but what good is that with such a huge crowd? In other words, what good is that in this little boy's hand? And yet, when those barley loaves went from the little boy's hand to the Lord Jesus' hand, something astonishing happened. What do you have in your hand? Maybe, maybe you have a a carpenter's level, or a plumber's wrench, or a teacher's book, or an accountant's ledger, or a painter's brush. Maybe in your hand is a, a microphone, or a microscope, or a microchip. But when you put it in God's hand, it becomes more than just a means of making a living. It now provides the message of the cross and it provides the mercies of the Christ. What do I have in my hand? If I will put it in his hand, I can change somebody's world. I can change somebody's world. The second question I need to ask to determine if I'm doing all that I can for missions is what do I have in my house? And this, of course, is the question that Elisha asked the woman who was in need. She had lost her husband and she was about to lose her sons and everything was going to be sold because she was so uh, poor and, and in debt. And in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 2, this is what Elisha says to her. He says, what can I do to help you? Tell me what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. <laughs> she didn't think she had anything in her house. But the moment she obeyed God and took the little oil that she had and poured it into a jar, 
It multiplied. It blessed many for a long time. Is there something in my hand that could provide God's message or God's mercy for someone? Is there something in my house that I could possibly pour out for the untold or the unloved or the unreached? What do you have in your house? Is there something in God's provision for me that is actually meant for someone else? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I think verses 8, 10, and 11, we, we read this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Is there something God has given to me that is supposed to be given through me? Something that God gave me, but it was not for me? What do I have in my hand? And what do I have in my house? And thirdly, what do I have in my heart? You see, my heart is my want to. Not my have to, not my need to, not my should do. It's my want to. What do I have in my heart? What do I want to do? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 7, we read this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I love the amplified version of this. It says, let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, listen, and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. How cool is that? Father, this is not just what's in my hand. This is not just what's in my house. But Father, this is what's in my heart. And I give my heart with this offering. I love Jesus with all my heart. And it is in my heart to obey him and to fulfill the great commission in my generation. The great commission is for us to go into all the world with the message of the cross and the mercies of the Christ. With the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus. Bringing Jesus and justice. The kingdom and kindness. Redemption and rescues salvation and surgeries, hope and houses, Christ and crutches, good news and good works. What is in your hand? What is in your house? What is in your heart? This Mission Sunday, will you open your hand? Will you open your house will you open your heart so that the gospel 
can go to everyone, everywhere.